0: Before we get going today, I have a very big announcement. After a ton of requests for a place for expat and expat hopefuls to network and get to know each other, I decided to start a new Facebook group. It's called the Expat Money Forum, and it's 100% free to join. We literally just started the group, so you can really network and get to know the individuals there. We will be keeping a very close eye on this group, and I already have three awesome moderators volunteer to help me out. So to make it easy on you, I set up a really simple redirect link. All you have to do to join this group right now is go to expatmoneyshow.com forward slash forum. We already have a bunch of previous guests from my show in the group, so you can ask your questions directly. To the professionals or get help from the people who are on the ground in the country you are interested in being an expat in so i hope that you will join us in our new facebook group by going to expatmoneyshow.com forward slash forum and i will see you there okay enjoy today's episode Welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is Mikkel Thorpe and this is the Expat Money Show. Today's guest is a marine biology graduate turned into filmmaker with an intense passion for travel. After receiving his Bachelor's of Science in Canada, Mike backpacked the world to volunteer as a research assistant for scientists studying the ocean conservation. Bringing a camera along for these trips allowed him to capture the material he needed to win several international travel video competitions, which kicked off a career in travel filmmaking. He has since settled into a fast-moving career as a travel YouTuber, adventure filmmaker, and TV presenter. Please welcome to the show, Mike Corey. Mike, how are you? I'm fantastic, man. Great to be here. Great to have you. Why don't you take a minute and kind of walk us through your backstory? How did you, I mean, we touched on a couple of things here in my intro, but I mean, there's a lot to this. I want to hear a bit more of a breakdown. Cool.
1: Well, uh, to sum up my childhood, I was obsessed with bugs. I loved everything creepy crawly, everything misunderstood, basically. I, my, my mom always tells these stories. I grew up in New Brunswick, Canada, so right above Maine, actually, in the States. So beautiful, like forests. It's incredible there. Uh, but the story she always tells is it was always really hard to get me to walk around the block or walk in the forest because I'd flip over every single rock and log looking for salamanders and snakes and basically all the creepy crawlies because I just thought they are pretty damn cool. And I guess that was a hint as to where I wanted my life to go. I, I didn't know I liked travel until I started getting out there through a couple hoops and events in my life. Um, but basically, uh, that's how I travel now is I find these misunderstood places. Things, festivals, foods that few people know about or few people care to know about. And I try to unfold those things and show people how amazing they actually are. So it's gotten me to about 70 countries around the world, um, doing some of the strangest things like exploding hammer festivals. Um, doing cambo medicine in uh, frog venom medicine in Brazil and all kinds of interesting things, sleeping on the Great Wall of China all by myself. (laughs) And I just like finding these experiences that that really challenge me. And I, I guess my online alias is Fearless and Far. I really enjoy speaking about fear. And that's not because I am fearless, because most of my life I was very fearful. What people never believe when I say this is that I have a phobia of public speaking, because my job is is full time speaking now, like I'm a podcast host, a TV host and a travel YouTuber. But for most of my life, I was petrified, the blackout terrified of public speaking. And now it's my job. And so because I've seen both sides, I really enjoy talking about fear and also always challenging myself and fighting my own fears and discomforts uh, through my travels. And so I've kind of developed a lifestyle around, around that around finding myself in these sketchy situations sometimes, but uh, for the greater good, at least.
0: Well, I understand that completely. I remember doing a public speaking event when I was a child and I got chosen by my class to represent, you know, our our individual class and presented in front of the entire school. And I must have read my six minute presentation in about 34 seconds, like (laughs) verbatim from my cards on fast forward. And from there kind of thought, I hate public speaking. This is the worst And I don't know if I picked it up on television that I had heard that, you know, public speaking was the number one fear of people, even more than death. And I I think I went through that for 20 years thinking that I was afraid of public speaking. And now what do I do? I have a popular podcast. I do videos. I speak from stage. I do webinars. I mean, this is exactly the same thing. I do it for a living. (laughs) So I guess my question for you is, were you really afraid of those things? Or do you think that you like made yourself afraid of them? Did you condition yourself to be afraid of it?
1: It's so funny. I mean, I think you probably hear this a lot that people call you a natural, like you're born this way. Mm. Uh, And it's the the complete opposite, actually. Uh, No. So what happened to me is I had um, an event that happens, you know, when we're young, we're these big, malleable balls of clay and one small little like scuff on the shoulder or something all of a sudden grows into a giant boogeyman that terrifies you for your entire life. And so my little scuff was, um, I had a hamster that died when I was a kid I was sad and so I show up in school and I was sad and I think I was looking at my desk and the teacher saw this little sad boy and she's like oh I should get this boy to go up in front of the class and explain why he is sad great idea right of <clears throat> introduction to public speaking and so she brings me up well first she asked hey what's wrong over there and I said "Nothing." <laughs> come on up and explain to the class what's wrong <clears throat> so I get led up to the front of the class and um let me also add that it was my first year of French immersion. So in Canada, some English families can choose to put their kids in French immersion. So you basically do all of your school in French from, for me, it was grade four to grade 12. And it's a, a very blunt way to learn a language. And this is my first year. And so I um, get brought up from the class and in English, I start to explain, my hamster died this month. And she's like, en français, in French. And I, I, excuse me, in the first year of, of French class, do you ever learn? Excuse me, my hamster killed himself. Like I don't, <laughs> this is not the vocabulary you pick up, right? And so I didn't know how to say it. And she was like, "Oh, i say it. anyway." So that was my introduction to public speaking, which yeah. did
0: not go well. Public and education it... system, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> very sensitive. That EQ, I just I feel it right, right from the core. I love it. Yeah.
1: Man, so that was the seed that was planted and going back to doing presentations, man, like I remember <laughs> I would have to read like all of my cue cards because I couldn't I trust myself to to remember them. And I at certain points I my hands would shake so much, I couldn't read the cue cards. And that was actually probably one of the best things that ever happened to me because I um, I was in university. So this is like many years later. I took this for, for decades with me. And I was in a university class, and there were slides we were doing a group presentation. I had all everything written out in cue cards, and my hands were shaking so much I couldn't read the cue cards. and I just kind of like blacked out. Uh, but apparently I scrunched the notes up because I couldn't read them, and, and I threw them on the ground and I looked at the slides and I just started saying words. And I was I was bad at public speaking, right? So I would always over practice, over practice. And so everything was in there. I just had to like shut off the crutches, you know like throw the crutches away, which was the, the cue cards. And I made it through. And then I never used cue cards again. And that, I think that was the first point where I was like, wow, maybe, maybe it's not as it's, as it seems. Maybe I can do this really. And, and I also realized I used to break dance actually. I was a break dancer for like 10 years. And one of one lesson I learned there, um, is that if you act like you messed up, people know you messed up. So you're going for like this crazy flip thing. You land you on your back and you're like, ouch. And you hobble up and walk away in shame. People are like, Ooh, that must have hurt. But you, you do the the flip thing, you land on your shoulder, you pop up and you're like, yeah, man, what's up now? And everyone's like, oh, damn. Oh, my God, my goodness. He's so good. And that's life, man. That's life. If you don't acknowledge that you messed up for any, in, in front of a crowd or whatever you're doing and you just have that confidence, that that feigning of confidence, dude, you can do whatever you want in this life. And these little things, I, I kind of hobbled together um to be able to get a, a sense that I was confident in, in these situations. And eventually, you know, that kind of manifests itself.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think that if you're doing things repeatedly, actually, you can change who you are. You change your core of how you view the world, how you view yourself. I mean, I've experienced that too. I I can definitely see that. So walk me through a little bit. You started traveling around the world on the boat with some scientists straight out of university. Was this another thing that you had to overcome or were you like super pumped at the very beginning of doing this? No, I was not pumped at all. I was the opposite. I was terrified. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah. And it seems like when, it, when it, whenever anybody does anything that's completely out of character, and traveling to the other side of the planet was so out of my character, you know, if mm. you can, if you can understand kind of where I was for a lot of my life, based on the stories I've told already, like it, it was not it was not the kind of guy that I was ever dreaming of faraway lands all by myself. But what happened is basically, I um I found myself in a situation where like life just hit me from all sides. I had a girlfriend that broke up with me, I had a grandparent die, I had a car crash and there were, I found a buddy who had like gone through the same stuff and unfortunately human beings are built this way where we have to have our foundation absolutely smashed before we consider doing something different and crazy and breaking the routines. Like we have to be like just feel like we're in pieces and then we'll do something crazy that we've been thinking about most of our entire life or do something different right and so that's what happened I, I was smashed man and but i had my friend and so we're like yeah you and i we're going to save our money we're going to put our deposits down to do this this um re- research assistant position in, in in indonesia didn't even know where indonesia was or anything at that point in my life and but i had you know, my friend and so the day came to pay the deposit I uh like we had been saving money for for um, months like fundraising and everything with this group and I paid like the $5,000 or something to to lock in my spot like hand shaking and couldn't believe it. But I had my friend and so I went to the pub after we were supposed to meet and I got a text and he's like bro couldn't get the money together after all sorry won't be going after I dropped the money and my world ended. I didn't like I just remember like just feeling the, the deepest sense of dread that I've ever felt in my entire life. I just booked myself into the other side of the world by myself. I didn't know what they ate, didn't know what they spoke, didn't know anything about this place. And so but I had already paid the money and and so I boarded the flight and I, I was like early 20s, and I thought I'd never see my family again. Like, I remember seeing like, I was like teary eyed. I'm like, Oh, my God, what what am I doing? Like the saying goodbye in the small airport, and I like, fly to not even like Indonesian, like Sulawesi, Wakatobi, which is off of B- Bhutan, which is off of Sulawesi, which is an island no one knows about, like the middle of freaking nowhere Indonesia. And it was an island off of the Wakatobi island chain called Hoga. So like, <laughs> a slice of sand in the middle of nowhere, where there was no running water. There was no mirrors. Um, we had to like shower by taking buckets of mosquito larva laden water, cold water splashing on our heads. And I, I like, for me, it was the create that I didn't, I didn't, it, it, it broke me, but it was the most beautiful, amazing thing I ever done in my entire life. And it, I loved it. I, we all showed up the day one with like gelled hair and perfect fingernails. And then after three months, we were just like dirty, bitten, scarred, but like raw people without the, the fake porcelain shell we, we built around ourselves. That was all gone. You can't maintain that in the middle of nowhere. And so when that's gone, like the cool people on day one, weren't the cool people on day 60. They were like, you know, it's almost like the, the social like scale just flipped, you know, the, the, the quiet introverts who actually like knew how to play guitar and sing a song or like juggle or knew a couple of my magic tricks were all of a sudden like the cool people because they worked on their inside and never really cared too much for the outside. And so I realized that during that trip, like maybe everything I think the world is and society is actually doesn't have to be that way or it exists differently than than that system that I was born into. And then my life changed. And then, so sort of from there, I started to travel, and uh, I, again, with, with like it didn't, I didn't start making videos right away about speaking. Like again, I was still scared to do this, but I ended up getting flesh-eating disease in Honduras, <laughs> and I was stuck on a couch for I months. I had out
0: of Cuba as well. That's oh, not fun. Man. I had flesh-eating disease on my face from when I went to Cuba. Jeez. That's that's worse than rough. the foot. Yeah.
1: Anyway, hard to cure. It was MRSA infused as well, and I was on a couch for months. And then I, I, someone sent me a, a link to a travel competition, and it's like, "Oh man, you like to travel? Do this." And I was like, "There's no freaking way I'm doing this, man!" I'd like, and, and I was like, "No, I, I don't do this stuff." But in my head, I was like, "Oh, this is so okay, terrifying." so what's
0: a, what's a travel competition? I don't so know. So these things, yeah, these
1: things are big, like. Eight years ago, 10 years ago, when okay. I first started doing this. So basically a company, in that case, it was Cathay Pacific, or it was a flight center or whatever it was, I entered all of these things. That's how that's how actually I got started. So I had flesh eating disease, got sick, a friend sent me a link said enter this, I said, No, and he goes, we're gonna do sit on a couch for four more months. And I was again, at this point, like broken point after spending so much time on a couch, sick that I just did something crazy made the first video, um, then made the second video, then the third video, then then entered all these videos and just weeped myself silently to bed at night because I couldn't even say my name right after 40 takes sometimes. But hey, you do 50 takes, one of them's good, you hobble them together like some kind of video Frankenstein and you have a good video. And so I just bashed through it with blood, sweat and tears for years in the beginning and entered all of these competitions. So a brand would say, hey, make a video, tell us why we should hire you, why you love to travel. And if they do hire that person, Well, they hire somebody out of the thousands that enter, they'd go, they'd do a trip, they'd make some social media content for the brand. And so I entered all of these things, like 20 or something over the course of like three or four years. And um, one of you, not by skill, but by persistence, (laughs) persistence, and also like my, I just like trying new things, like doing things that are differently. So I was making like sushi pizzas and saying, I like eating different things, like just trying to be a little bit different awkwardly, but sometimes that works. And hey, won a few, and then I was able to kind of craft my life into doing this thing that I was terrified of. It didn't come easy, man, but uh, that was how it all started.
0: Well, I have a theory, and it basically goes like this. The more challenging things that you put yourself into, the more you grow as a human being. And I think that anyone who meets me would know that I'm a very, very confident person. Well, I'm not very confident naturally. I wasn't born this way. I don't have special blood or genes or anything like that. I mean, I've been putting myself in difficult situations for more than 20 years. And it sounds like you've done the same things, Mike. I mean, going out there and putting yourself in different countries and you don't speak the language, meeting new people and having to find a place to live and spend the night and get something to eat and hopefully a tasty drink. I mean, those things are actually not easy. I mean they become infinitely more complex when you don't know where you're going and all the languages and the culture and the history and judging the situations and those people who are around you. Are you safe? Are you not safe? How you navigate all of those things. That really develops your character. And I think character is something that is not talked enough about. I think that people should go through hard things. I think that hard things are important for us to do. And you say that it broke you and it it broke you down and you were able to rebuild yourself. But I don't know, from my side, I mean, it's a constant process of doing difficult things. I think that if you have society where everything is given to you, if everything is done for you, well, you're not much of a person. You don't really have much to say. You probably don't feel very much. I mean, I remember being in the UAE and knowing billionaires, billionaire families, and knowing the kids there. And I mean, these people weren't happy. They had everything done for them since the day that they were born. They had domestic help. They wouldn't put on their own shoes. They would have everything prepared for them. They wouldn't learn how to read. They wouldn't learn how to drive. wouldn't do anything. It's like, for me, that is not a fulfilling life. I think that putting yourself in challenging things, like it sounds you have definitely done, um, really develop you.
1: I 100% agree with you. And and that's, and that's exactly where I was able to grow my confidence as well. I was not a confident guy. I was the opposite. <clears throat> but then you're right, you find yourself at 2am in a Chinese train station, and the, the lines ended and you're five kilometers from your, your hotel, and you have, to, you have to make it work. You have to make it work. And then so like, what's your other option? And there's no other option. You got to find out a solution. And then you do because people are resourceful and then the same thing happens to you in your hometown and you you feel like a boss because oh I already did this actually one one thing um my social skills uh um really improve so much with travel because you show up somewhere and you have to, you're, you're you're at like a party and like everyone's there speaking different languages and you, you know, some broken French, they know some broken French, but they're German and you're Canadian and you have to speak to each other and you don't know each other. And then you go back to like a a house party in your hometown or something. And you're like, wow, it's so easy to be social now because everyone speaks the same language.
0: (laughs) And You have to pantomime, you have to use your hands, your whole body, your emotion, your face, everything like that. Definitely. Exactly.
1: Yeah. And so my travel style, I realized by, by finding myself in the, in these difficult situations and being able to like break and rebuild myself better, um, that, that like, that's become my travel style. So I, 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 I don't want disasters and horrible things to happen in my life, but I kind of create them in, 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 in small ways. Like for example, I buried my, myself in sand up to my neck for 24 hours in the Philippines earlier last year, because I'm a little bit claustrophobic. I just carried a watermelon <laughs> up Kilimanjaro on my shoulder the entire higher time just to see if I could, I could do it. And so these small little hells, um, uh, help me grow. And, you know, if I can carry a watermelon on my shoulder up, uh, Kilimanjaro, what can't I do? Well, you know, there's probably some stuff, but at least it makes you feel like you're more, you're more capable of a lot of other small things. Right?
0: Absolutely. I have a question. All right. In your experience, when you go back to your hometowns and you go to a party and you meet people, do you ever get reverse culture shock? Do you ever find it difficult to interact with people who haven't traveled, who haven't done all kinds of random crazy things? Because in my experience, when I tell them about my travels or what I've done in my life, I see people get this glazed over look on their eyes that it's like they don't really understand. Like, it's like... I find that a lot of people are still telling the same stories from high school. They're in the same old mindset. It's the same dynamic that it's always been. And I'm like, Oh yeah, I've been backpacking, hitchhiking, traveling for 21 years straight. And i have circumnavigated the planet more than 400 <laughs> times. What have you been up to? And they're like, uh, like, got a new now cat. They, Like, <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I bought a new used car. It's like, I mean, it's, it's kind of a, Showstopper? I don't know. I mean, it, it kind of halts the conversation. What's been your experience?
1: I I don't even. I don't. If I'm back in my hometown, I don't talk about my travels. Never. Uh, with a few select friends who who, who like ask questions, but uh, I think that's the same reason. I, and I I guess I don't even remember remember when or why I stopped telling travel stories when I was home. But I think it's because of that. Like there was just like the the feedback of me starting to tell a story and people just going because who knows why. I don't know. But uh, yeah, I don't talk about my travels when I'm home. Yeah, because, oh yeah, you know what, I uh, hung out with the Maasai's last week, and we actually, we slept in a cow dung hut. I got really bad bed bugs, like 200 bites. And then actually the next morning, I was invited to drink warm blood straight from the cow. It was crazy, but it didn't taste that bad, actually. It kind of tasted like smoke, because they smoke these old gourds. Like, what does someone someone do with that information?
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, I get that completely. And I think that's why... I am a hundred percent comfortable living overseas in countries where I don't speak the language, and I have to make all new friends and everything like that. And all my friends are expats or travelers, and it's like these people we can actually talk because they've done amazing things and we have similar interests. If I go home, then we don't, and I just, I just stay gone. I, you I think you it's actually easier. Here.
1: Talk about hockey or you know whatever you do. <laughs> this Absolutely. Is
0: do. All right, so let's get let's get into some of the more adventures, some of these things. What is an Exploding Hammer Festival? I got I got a list here of things. What is an Exploding Hammer Festival?
1: It's a hell of a good time. I'll tell you that, though very dangerous. <laughs> okay. <laughs> There's a small town in uh, just like three hours north of Mexico City. And um, and it has a, a festival that's called Carnival. Carnival is what it's called. And it's to honor John the Baptist. So one of the patrons, the patron saint of the city from the Bible. And um, so originally um they would have a parade. This is like a couple decades ago. They'd have a parade, you know, some fireworks. And then some guy decided, oh, it'd be cool to like make a little homemade like powder bomb, and boom, oh, it's an explosion, it's fireworks. And then, okay, what if we put that on a little hammer? Boom, bigger explosion. Okay, let's add two packets. Boom, we just blowed a car window. And then boom, oh my God, we just shattered that entire building's front glass. But let's not stop. Let's just make it bigger and bigger. But then move it to a field and make it the entire festival. So it's just called carnival. But it's this—it's Martíos Explosivos. It's exploding hammer festival is, is the, the term that I called it anyway. I saw—I was living in Mexico City for a few years. I, I love that city. And um, there was this clip that. A, Friend of mine sent me that it was like a really crappy cell phone clip, like potato camera kind of clip, but it was an exploding hammer. And uh, I asked some questions, and I found out that there was a festival, and so I went and recorded like the first ever video of 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 this place. And dude, I had to say, like, I'm happy they have this unwritten rule that you're not allowed to drink because without alcohol, it's still probably one of the most dangerous things I've ever seen in my entire life. So these guys. Um, take sledgehammers and they put, they make these little, they go to like the department store and they mix some chemicals together and they make this explosive, but not like a big fireball, like light with a match explosive, like an impact explosive. So it has to be hit. And then if it's hit, it releases like this giant shock wave. The only time I'd actually seen this in real life before, well, not even real life was like in Mythbusters, that TV show where they would do like a lot of different things. And they'd show these slow motion explosions with like the, the, the pressure wave ripple through the ground that's what that's what was happening at this festival and and I'm there trying to film it and uh, there's like all these like little boys who are like 15, uh, 12. And all these girls lined up with like their little skimpy shirts and stuff. And the boys are trying to put like more and more explosives on these on these hammers. And uh, it's like swag points, right? So bigger and bigger. And then they like, I had these in- industrial grade earplugs that they use for construction in in the States and Canada. And my ears were ringing. These guys had balled up <laughs> Kleenex and were jamming them in their ears. And I saw two guys rupture their eardrum. And one guy lose a thumb because, you know, you hold onto a hammer and you slam it down like a big sledgehammer, and you're supposed to slide your hand up to the end. He didn't, yeah, he yeah, didn't, yeah. He didn't do that. <laughs> and so his thumb left his body. It went into orbit. And that's not the only oh thing that went into goodness. orbit. Often hammers would go into orbit because you hit oh, it at a like certain that. angle, and it blows it out of your hand. So there's a, 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 um, <laughs> a sledgehammer spinning through the air like a boomerang, and everyone laughs and runs. But it's freaking terrifying, man. Like I saw one punch a hole in a brick wall, and everyone just laughs and – I'm here trying to film it. And if it was just one, then you could kind of keep track of it. But there's like three or four of these hammer circles. And so at any time, any of the uh, – dude, crazy, crazy. And So you
0: got your head you got your head behind the lens. So you're exactly. now looking everything like zoomed in or focused or something like that as these things exactly. are going off. But not too much because you never know when a sledgehammer is going to come out of the sky. <laughs> and so what are they hitting? They're hitting the ground or they're hitting – like what are they smashing these hammers with? Like a little steel plate. Like um, okay. they put a steel plate, like and it's an just, anvil or something, or
1: like <laughs> no, like what's the one what of those like like the iconic cartoon metal rebar girder thing, like the the T kind of the T shape or the I shaped like metal oh, beam, okay, kind okay, of thing.
0: like an I-beam you know I beam mean? or something. Well,
1: that's what it's called, and that's what it was.
0: Uh, yeah, and and,
1: and it, they couldn't pick like a worse spot because it's just a field of loose rock. <laughs> they put a little like metal plate, but it's a field of loose rocks. There's like just rocks flying everywhere. Oh my god!
0: It was so you add shrapnel yeah. to it is basically what you're saying.
1: Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and there's 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 ambulances lined up, and like the year before, I don't think anyone's died, but the year before I was there, someone lost an arm because they hammer. Um, again, like he hit a certain angle and it just flies and I think it flew up into the armpit, like, poof, like the handle maybe. And I, anyway, I didn't, I didn't get the details, but yeah, it still happens. Um, still happens but one thing like i'd like a love to talk to you about it's a bit of a sidetrack is like I, I like focusing on these strange unique things like for example that that was then um even last week I, or a couple weeks ago i was i was with the the last group of hunt of true hunter-gatherers in africa called the hadzabe and they're like we're out hunting baboons and they're like killing bats and kudus and with like biting the esophagus with their teeth and all kinds of crazy stuff i'm surprised i'm not banned off YouTube yet um but you go and you you make these videos or make this content photos blog posts whatever you make about this place, and you kind of forever change it. So I haven't been back to the Exploding Hammer Festival, but I was the first content creator to go and make content. And the video's got like, I don't know, half a million views now or something, which is a fair amount. I wonder what it's like there now. And I wonder like these places you go when you make the first piece of content, or you make even like the second or third piece of content. As a traveler, who's uncovering these new places. Is he responsi- What's your responsibility there? Is it a good thing or a bad thing? What's your thoughts there? All
0: right, I'll give you some of my thoughts on this one. I remember when I was 20, I want to say, and I was hitchhiking and backpacking through Central America. And this is the first time that I came to Panama. I took 18 months off and I hitchhiked through this part of the world. And I had the idea that I wanted to go to the Darien. So we came into Panama City, and I took a little prop plane, and we did one, two, three, four, five, six hops on a mail cargo plane they were delivering. And we got there, and it's this little dirt runway, and there's chickens that had to fly out of the way, and no one knew who we were. They were not expected at all. Now, we met someone. We got in on on a, a truck and we drove for four or five six hours into the bush from there we stayed with the local family then we spent three days on a canoe and went all the way to colombia on this motorized canoe and stopped at little villages and these people had never seen white people before like this was th- like grass thatch roofed housing off of on stilts And we would go in and we'd meet the chief and he would take us to this little school, which was like 12 kids and on a dirt floor. And we would meet all these people and talk to them and learn about the culture and break bread with them. That was 20 years ago. I was not a content creator then. I didn't film it. I didn't document any of it. That was for me. Like, I mean, we didn't have YouTube, first of all, back then. It wasn't such a thing that people were doing all this content creation. I have a thousand and one stories like that that has just immensely changed me and who I am. Being able to meet people who have nothing to do with the world that I come from. Absolutely nothing. They don't watch TV. They don't watch Hollywood. They don't have a McDonald's. They don't see any of this type of stuff. But just to be able to learn from them, and experience their culture and then just leave it the way it is and turn around and walk away. Like, I mean, I think I have a couple of pictures from that time or that, you know, from a film camera somewhere lying around. But that's about it. I mean, nothing else. And I have so many experiences like this. Yes, now I'm a content creator. I do podcasts and a magazine and a blog and a newsletter and all these types of things but i do think it's cool sometimes just to have things for you does that make sense do you know what i mean
1: uh, 100% yeah no definitely 100% i think it's important <clears throat> i think like w- one trend that i don't know how people lived through uh, at least in the, in the in the youtube world was like daily travel vlogging <clears throat> like for example like uh, fun for louis who, who would like do daily travel vlogs um i was able to hang out with him a couple times and just watching how all day long you're filming and then all night long you're editing and everything's always captured. I have so much respect for the the work ethic getting to do that. I don't think I could like now I'll I'll go find something specifically film that and then, like that'll be the reason I'm there. And everything else that happens doesn't get filmed. It's it's kind of for me. Um, and so I think it's really important to do that, especially now in this world where everything's always filmed, man. Like, even if you're not a it's like every traveler is 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 a content creator, right? They want to make nice photos, and we're we're force-fed, like all these like the most beautiful, sexy photos in the entire world all the time on these social platforms, anyway. And how can we not want to be like that? Because like a lot of these people we see the photos of, we're inspired by, it. like, oh, like so and so is is in. You know korea and they're eating this beautiful uh, you know squid dish or something and like and you, you're inspired by that and of course you want to go there and like and make nice photos of it too and show your friends and i don't i guess i'm kind of too far into it now um to to know what that does to the experience uh, and whether people are can still get authentic experiences i mean it's my job i kind of have to make content or else i can't live but I, I guess i wonder sometimes whether people can still go and be happy and make content and um still feel like they're getting everything out of the trip. Like one thing that's made me so sad is that there was, when I was in Mexico city, uh, I was, on airbnb looking for a spot for a friend to stay and they offer experiences and one of them was like the like mexico city instagram highlights and it had like thousands of reviews and so it was a tour and you literally just go to the 10 most iconic spots in mexico city to do the the iconic instagram shots that were that were famous and i i that made me so sad it's it's just like it's. I feel like it's Pokemon catching. I, I feel like people go around the world just to like catch them all. You know, you go here, you get the photo, and that's that's your experience. And look, I have the proof. I had the experience here. This is my experience, the same as everyone else's experience. We're all unique together um, with this piece of graffiti or this building or whatever it is. This, this Bali
0: gate, but like that's not what it's about. You know, like that's not what it's about at all. I get that 100%. I mean, yes, I count countries and I, I proudly say that I've been to 105 countries. However, I think that I know, actually, I know people who have been to more countries. However, they've done it, you know, they were there for 24 hours and they were there for two days. I'm like, oh, you were there for two days. Great. I was there for eight years, you know, or, oh, South Korea, you just mentioned. Great. Yeah, I've been to South Korea. 50 some odd times, I've gone back over and over and over and over again. So I feel like I have a much better understanding. Um, I don't have pictures of those trips up. I mean, maybe I'm missing great revenue opportunities and try to sell the dream more. But often I just do these places for myself or I do it for business. I go for investments or meetings or things like that. But I, I do get that. It, it does, I don't know, erode it a little bit, make it, not so real i think also you know are you going for the cultural experience or are you going for the bragging rights are you going for that picture so that people are jealous of you and you can brag to everyone back home or are you going because you truly want to know and understand a country and a culture and the people involved and why they behave like this and why they eat this type of food and why do they worship this type of god and and everything that goes with that i don't know man it's it's an interesting question for sure
1: and I, yeah, exactly. And I don't want to, sh- to shit on photographers too too much because like there's there's also joy in in learning how to use a camera and then going to a faraway place and find like being able to use this tool to capture beauty. And there's there's joy and there's myself and I'm sure a lot of people listening who 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 feel like they're doing that. They 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 can capture the essence of a place and they they find joy in capturing the the small little beauty the way the the sun glints on the dew on the palm tree or whatever it is right the bamboo and and there's that as well but well, that's different because then like the artistic view is like you're trying to make you're trying to make art but art generally is different and unique when you're just going to snap the same photo as everyone else, I, I kind of don't understand why sometimes. Um, and maybe it's just because social proof. Like um, I, I've heard that that's why the Chinese travel as they do, because it's very important in, in, in success for them to have like photos of them going to certain things. And there's certain things that that exude travel, the Eiffel Tower, the, you know, Berlin Gate, these um, the Brandenburg Gate, sorry. And, all, and these things, um, that those are symbols of travel, you know, like you were there in front of this thing. People know what that thing is. They know it's not where you're from. So therefore, you I've done it. You know, congratulations. You've caught the Pokemon or whatever it is. So there's different ways to see it. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's just what makes you happy, I guess. Yeah, and we can judge people for traveling fast or just getting the same selfie in front of the Taj Mahal. But if it makes them happy, who, who's the judge? It doesn't make
0: me happy. It doesn't make you happy. But um, exactly. that was And I, then yeah. I, I agree with that 100%. It's not for me to judge anyone. But it's a, in the exact same regard. I don't judge anybody who stayed at home got the white picket fence, never left more than a kilometer or two from their hometown. If that makes them happy, if that makes you guys happy, anyone who's listening, that's awesome. Like, that is so great. For me personally, when I was a child and I was growing up, that did not make me happy. And today, I still don't want that. I mean, I left as a teenager, and I needed to go out there. I knew personally from a very young age that I wanted to explore. So... I'm not here to judge anybody for what makes them happy. I'm glad that people are happy. That 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 is the most important thing.
1: And I, I, I've, I've judged a lot of people and I had a friend of mine who um, changed my mind about it. And I'm really happy he did because for the longest time I was judging people who went to like Cancun. It's like, oh, girl, let's travel. Come on, go do it yourself, you know, at least backpack around Mexico. And a buddy of mine who was like pretty successful, had his own business, had like a wife and a new kid and, and stuff. And I was like, bro, like you never really traveled. And he goes, well, I, I've kind of, I'm really happy here and I've got everything I need. I'm like, well, like, you know, next time take the family, don't, don't stay at a resort, go to like an Airbnb and you know, do, it's really easy to go up and down the coast in Quintana Roo in Mexico. And he's like, listen, I work so hard, man. I love my job. I love my wife. I just want to go down there. I want to just chill, have someone bring me drinks, you know, like have some alone time with my wife, have my kid like see the, see the ocean. Like that's just what I want. And, and like, and he's like, I have everything I want at home. That's everything I need. And I was like, I'm a dick.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: it, I'm a dick for I suggesting that. that because I, I yeah, because like if you're happy, then then be happy. Like, don't listen to some dude who's like, "Oh, dude,
0: you have to backpack South America." Uh, no, man, do what makes you happy. That's the big thing. Absolutely, I think that all of us have one life to live on this earth. So, I mean, for me, the goal of life is to be happy. Okay, don't infringe on other people's rights. I mean, my happiness cannot be infringing on your happiness or your right or your personal space or anything like that. But if I'm not hurting anyone and I'm not stealing anything, you know, I should basically be able to do whatever I want. I'm very libertarian in this this way of thinking. If you guys are happy, if anyone who's listening is happy doing the Cancun vacation, go for gold. Absolutely. Drink as many Mai Tais and... Uh, and margaritas as you absolutely can. That's awesome. I mean, that's but if you're the not, point.
1: then then travel because yeah. <laughs> travel helps yeah, that exactly. a lot.
0: <laughs> yeah, and if you are upset and you don't like what's going on, get out there and do something because <laughs> exactly. it is. To to circle back to our earlier point, it will challenge you, and from that you will grow, and it will increase your self confidence and your ability to do things, real life things with your hands um, and not be dependent on so many other people. You have to learn self-reliance, um, which is a very undervalued skill, uh, I believe in this day and age, which we won't get too much into, uh, the political side of things, but certainly um, self-reliance, very, very, very important.
1: Elaborate on that one quick second, I guess like what travel teaches you is that the, the, the ability, the skill of making things work no matter what you 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 learn how to make things work and if if you have if you have that like if you just know in life you can make things work you are a powerful and dangerous person no boss no girlfriend no boyfriend can 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 toy around too much before you know you can just bounce and make things work and if you can get to a point where where you trust yourself and you know that you you know you've had the practice you've you've made things work so many times before that you can no matter what happens make things work that's when life starts dumping opportunities on your chest because because (laughs) the, the, the world is out there for people who can find the Find the the solutions, the problems who can who can find themselves in a in a bad situation and be like, What are the opportunities here? You know, like how can I use this crap situation as a step? Because there always is a step, and there's always an opportunity, no matter how crappy the situation is. That attitude I think is the one of the most powerful things a person can have uh to finding their their dream life and travel makes you work on that specific skill. And I don't know what other activity does.
0: No, absolutely. Being able to mitigate risk is so important and how are you going to be able to mitigate risk if you don't put yourself through experiences i mean you learn from past experiences now you're not going to necessarily be able to think okay well i've done a b and c therefore i'm going to make this decision of this it actually all happens in the background it's all your subconscious you can look at things instantly and become a better judge of how to proceed forwards That's how we do everything. Now, if you do everything that is the same, if you take the same route to work, if you have the same friends, you go have the same conversations, you sit at the same pub, you're not expanding yourself. But the more that you put yourself into these challenging situations, which we're discussing today, the more you're going to be able to mitigate risk. And now you're going to be able to say, okay, yes, it's risky, or yes, this is, this is Could be a problem but because of all these experiences you know how to deal with the situation i remember one time i was traveling through uganda and i was traveling with my very best friend the godfather of my daughter and we went to this fish market we took a boat and went to a fish market it was early morning and we were walking around we were shopping for fish in the day and some guys started to follow us and we had our fish with us and they wanted to clean the fish this was their job and they were you know asking and come on can we clean it you know pay us blah, blah 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 and he literally thought he was like oh my god these guys are going to kill us like they are going to take the knives in their hands and and kill us i was like bro chill out like they they want to clean the fish i mean they they need to gut the fish and scale it and prepare it and fill it so that we can have fish for breakfast they're not aggressive there's women and children around this is a sunday market you know it's a fish market it's all right but he was he was almost terrified so terrified he couldn't speak. And he hadn't traveled through Africa and things like this. And I mean, we, hopefully we'll get a chance to talk more about Africa and your adventures there right now. But I wasn't worried at all. I knew by looking in the people's face and in their eyes that the, law, the language and the situation and everything that was going on, that we were in no danger. Actually, they were. it was absolutely fine. But that was because of my experiences different than his experiences.
1: But also just, just based on the data points you both have, like you've traveled, you've you've been around people with knives, like people carry knives all over the world uh, on the street. They walk, you know, like it's not a, but like yeah. a dude walking carrying a knife. Walking down the street
0: with a machete in many countries is normal. That's a tool. That's not a weapon. He, the guy's not carrying a sword down. That is exactly. a legitimate tool that he uses to run his day-to-day life.
1: But that doesn't, like imagine a dude walking down the street with a machete in New York. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <In> or Toronto <laughs> or something big, like big that. Problem. <laughs> <laughs> but that's it, the data points, and and so the data points are like what 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 you have at home. And so when you, when you're home, let's say in North America somewhere, dude walking down the street with a knife, bad news. Um, also, all the stories about people walking down the street with a knife, also bad news. You hear on the on the news. Also, the stories you hear about foreign countries, stabbings, murders, kidnappings beheadings, all all negative data points. Like you you live a life where you just get all of these negative things and then you go show up. And of course you you feel that way, right? Because that's only the only thing you've ever had. But you travel and that's gonna be one experience of probably hopefully a few that he travels and realizes, oh, like actually okay, well, here are some more positive data points and hopefully we'll we'll even it out. I still remember the exact moment when I um When I that when I saw that for the first time, I was in Honduras and it was Halloween, and there was uh, we were there. I was dressed up as like a rock star or something. I forget now. Years ago, but um, there was a kid at the party who was like probably like twelve, and he had like a machete, like a sharp machete, and he was dancing around with the machete, like a real not not a plastic, like a real sharp ass machete. And I remember being like pretty uncomfortable actually. i'm like like he could just chop someone's head off right now like i mean i I guess i I, it was a it was a costume party but still like imagine someone taking a real life sharp ass machete to a club anywhere else in the world of halloween you're not like that doesn't happen but i remember just being so uncomfortable but that was again my only data points were, were bad ones right this is how a murder starts apparently that you see on on cnn or something right so Oh, definitely, definitely.
0: All right. Well, I I brought it up before. So let's talk a little bit about your trips. What are you doing right now? What are you working on right now? What are you super excited about?
1: Yeah, great question. So I have been traveling since July 2020. um, And it has been uh, an adventure, for sure. It's been different, of course, as well, because of the world. uh, I've been doing my best to do so responsibly, getting tested even though I don't have to, and quarantining sometimes when I don't have to as well, and not tracking my dirty feet around anywhere it doesn't need to be. So um, I, I have also have a girlfriend in, who's Polish, and my entire life is travel. So like, it was, a, it was an interesting debate in the beginning. It's like, what is essential, um, and if. I mean, my girlfriend was abroad and all of my life is making travel content. I don't have a house. I don't have a car. If I want to go home, I go to my hometown um, where I have like the guest room, you know, Um, like I travel 11 months out of the year. The the other month I go back home usually to buy new gear and, you know, say hi to the family. So I know where to go. So I went on the road again. And so this entire time has been interesting making content and traveling during COVID Um, took a bit of heat, but um, I, I mean, I feel like I I'm doing a very good job staying safe at the same time. So uh, it's okay. And this, this year has got me to Tanzania. So in Tanzania, it's really funny. They, they have denied the existence of COVID (laughs) doesn't mean it doesn't exist at all, but uh, you can travel here and probably like somewhere like Mexico. Um, But Mexico is probably a bit more restrictive, but not much, but these two countries, it seems like all of these travel influences are going to because it's, you can still make travel content um, relatively easy. Other countries you can't if all the restaurants are closed and things right. So um, a lot of us of, of us travel content creators have found ourselves in Tanzania and and um, and also Mexico. So here my plan was to climb Kilimanjaro with the watermelon on my shoulder, <laughs> which was a an experience, say the least. Also, uh, we were filming for BBC. Can we pause a-
0: for a second and just figure out why a watermelon and why on your shoulder? <laughs> well, like, I the- you say that so like nonchalant like come on of course yeah, didn't you uh, ever want to climb Kilimanjaro with yeah. a watermelon yeah I guess uh I guess you could do something so this like a the- drunken bed or something or like where <laughs> did this come from
1: it sounds like and I guess I dismiss it only because it's like um I guess in the, in this content creation life especially with YouTube videos you make the video and then you kind of think about the next big project the next big project and so that was like a month and a half ago for me and the idea there was like so Kil- I was invited to climb Kilimanjaro with a company called Killer Warriors who do these really cool long expeditions that are nine days up um, one of the most difficult or probably the most difficult route, which is called the Western Breach. And um, I, I, there's been some content made about Kilimanjaro already. It's really good. Um, I thought I could do it. Um, I, I take training very seriously for what I do. So I, I try to really stay fit most of the time to do some of this adventurous stuff. And I, I didn't know if I could carry something like that up the mountain um i knew that i I wasn't going to die because kilimanjaro is not notoriously a dangerous mountain and people don't summit very often only because of altitude sickness actually they say it's like 50 percent of people actually make it to the summit of kilimanjaro not because it's difficult It is a bit difficult, but because it's so damn high, man, and people show up and they don't, they try to rush it. It's expensive because it's like $500 a day or something to, or no, not that much, but like 300 or a day or something like that for the permit. So the the, the shorter amount of time you do it, the less you have to pay. The park fees are so expensive. And so if you rush it, um, you don't make it up because you get altitude sick and you have to come back down. You can die from that, but it's also, it's like doesn't happen overnight, really, you know, it's it's an exponential, sorry, it's a linear problem. So you started getting sick, and then they bring you back down. Um, so I knew it was relatively safe. And if there was a problem, then I would be able to, to make it happen. And so I went for it. I, I didn't know if I could do it. But there's a, a lot of power in, in doing things you don't think you can do. There's also a lot of power in doing things that people say you can't do. And I had 50 people tell me I couldn't do it. Um, even even all the porters and and guides on the trek they, they there's no, there's no way you can do it but i did it so pew hi yeah <laughs> um, and that feels good like um, again that my channel isn't isn't about doing like crazy things exactly it's about like challenging yourself and again creating these like micro hells so you can prove to yourself you can do this these things and let me tell you. Let me go on a quick tangent for a second to something way, I like way tangents. more. Tangents, tangents are good. Tangents and rants. <laughs> okay. Everyone knows. I, as I long like as, my it, as long as you can bring it back to the to the main point, right? So, the the, the 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 most extreme example of this. So my online alias is Fearless and Far, right? Not because I'm fearless. I'm fearful, very much so. I just really enjoy fighting them and, d- and digging into them. So I used to have a um, uh, a piercing, uh, uh, like my labrum down here, back in the day, and the girl who did that. Um, she, uh, I followed her Instagram, we were friends. And I saw her posting these things about body suspension, like hanging by hooks. And I was like, what the F is that? Oh my God. But like we were friends and she'd always post these really beautiful captions. Like, you know, had a great suspension today, worked through a lot of negative things, love this so much. And then she's there, like hanging by hooks. <laughs> and uh, you know, you, the first time you see it on Instagram, you kind of like, okay, and you swipe. And the second time you're like, oh my God, swipe. And then after a while, I was like, I was like, she always spoke so high, highly and kindly of it, and like lovingly of it, and it just seemed like such like a contrast to me. So I messaged like, hey, yeah, uh, tell me about this. W- what's this about? And she goes, oh, you know, I do it to. It's it's really a beautiful thing, and makes you feel like you're purging yourself of negative energy, and you you should come try it. And I was like, I can. T- don't you need like training? And she's like, no, you know, we ask you to go like watch somebody do it once. And then if, if you're comfortable with it, like you're not going to f- be physically ill, uh, you can do it too.
0: <laughs> kind and, of how I'm feeling so- at the moment listening <laughs> to and my imagination going, excellent. Exactly.
1: So here's Mr. Fearless and Far, who is like supposed to be the spokesperson of doing things that scare you that aren't dangerous. Um, and here, so I'm talking and I'm really trying to find something as dangerous about it. And I'm like, well, what if they rip out? She goes, oh, you're only hanging like, a, you know. Uh, like a couple feet off the floor. It's fine. And there's like, there's like four people there, you have like a a spotter making sure like the ropes are okay. Then you have someone else just focusing on your mental health, like your mental coach. And then you have the person just looking at the hooks, and they're making sure that everything's okay. But we'll hang you from four A human being can hang from one, it's no problem. Look, here's a video of of like three friends hanging off me. And it's just like, okay, so really, the only the dangerous thing is bloodborne diseases, right? Well, that's a problem for any kind of piercing or tattoo but these people are like professional piercing artists so they know how to do that and then really the most dangerous thing is just the car ride there because everything else is taken care of and if i fall uh, a foot i get a little scar on my back maybe but like i'm covered in scars and i've got tattoos so like what's the worst thing that can happen and that's I'm squirming a really
0: over here i, I gotta i gotta i'm <laughs> squirming over here i'll stick with travel but but
1: but but let me get back to the, the whole purpose here. Like
0: I don't, I'm not, i am not not recommending anybody
1: do this ever. Um, it was painful as hell, but like, so the you attitude... actually went through
0: it. I thought the, I thought the moral of the story was, ah, I decided not to do it, dude. No, because
1: that was my, that was the <laughs> battle, but this is the point I've been so many times in my life. Let's, let's bring it back half to public speaking. This thing that seems so like, Oh, you have a physical reaction. You're like, I can't do it. I can't ask for promotion. I can't ask that girl out. I can't public speak. I can't hang by hooks. What's the worst thing that's gonna happen? Nothing. A little scar, or they're gonna say no. Like, what's? And so this is me. Like this. This is what I try to be the spokesperson of. And so I'm. I have this horrible debate in my head where it's like, you can't say no anymore. Like this is everything you stand for, wrapped up in the most extreme painful thing that anybody could ever witness or or participate in. I swear to God, minus getting skinned or something crazy. And so I did it, man. I did it. And I can't believe I did it. And it was, it was incredibly painful. Um, but <laughs> it was, it was like the the biggest representation of doing the thing that absolutely scares you because what's the worst thing that's going to happen? Again, I'll be the guinea pig you guys can glean the lessons from my my misadventures but at the end of the day that that's something that i so truly embody and going back like the, the carrying a watermelon up kilimanjaro and hanging by hooks <laughs> are two very different things but the attitude is the same like it's funny like the litmus test in my life for like painful things is like is it going to be better or worse than hanging by hooks? (laughs) is, (laughs) Is it going to be better or worse than carrying a watermelon up Kilimanjaro? And when you have those little hells, then man, there's not a lot that can hold you back, right? Like you survived it. You've made it through and don't do things that are reckless. Like dangerous and scary are two different things, right? And anybody with two brain cells can understand the difference. Sometimes it just requires like, a little bit of information like scuba diving, you know, scuba diving super safe, it could seem dangerous. But if you lose your brain, like if it really killed people all the time, we wouldn't do it. You know, same with skydiving, like if skydiving or bunny jumping really killed people all the time, it wouldn't be a thing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like this, the stats don't but lie. Scuba diving
0: and, is nice and peaceful. And it calm. is. It's not painful. I mean, no. like, you don't have to like surgically implant the, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> the regulator there or anything like it's not like the hook. I mean, the hook yeah. that doesn't that sound like a sound horror nice movie exactly. surgically it does. surgically implanting exactly. a hostel like, or you know? something. <laughs> yeah,
1: like or like uh what's that uh human centipede movie or something. <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. When I, guys, when I say that I traveled a lot and I used to stay at hostels, that's not what I'm talking about, okay? <laughs> exactly, exactly. But
1: well, yeah. Jesus,
0: Mike, I don't know where to take the conversation now. I mean, we got five minutes left. You kind of just uh creep me out, but slightly, no, I not, not inspired me to go and hang well, from hope. Well, I do want to do it anyway. Okay. But
1: so let's wrap it up. You do feel pretty fucking great after. I don't know what it is, but the help. I hope you understand the lesson. And I hope that the, the listeners understand the lesson that these things, these things, doing these things that seem impossible, doing these things that you're scared of, like have this visceral reaction, like, Oh my God, I can't. Um, If you do them, magic happens. And if you feel stuck in your life, doing that thing that you feel like you're terrified to do uh, again, maybe not hang by hooks, but whatever that thing is, public speaking, asking for promotion, whatever it is in your life, even like fear of snakes or something, or like fear of swimming, taking swimming lessons, like these, these things, like, if you head charge those and use that as your like your goal compass to dive into this stuff that just makes your skin crawl, again, like responsibly with proper instruction with guidance, um, your life will change. For the better 100 and i am the living example of that someone who was so desperately stuck and hopelessly stuck doing the thing that he was absolutely bat shit terrified to do and then being able to be from that action change my entire life to being a full-time travel presenter and it's a dream job man only because i chose to do that thing that i was absolutely phobic to do
0: i love it brilliant Mike, thank you so much for today's conversation. Super, super, super interesting. Um, if my listeners want to find out more about what you do, if they want to check out the YouTube channel, if they want to see some of your other film work and travel adventures, where can we send them?
1: Yeah, fearless and far. So all of the videos that I mentioned today—the exploding hammers, the, even the hanging by hooks, uh, the watermelon, <laughs> even the even the Maasai blood thing—if you caught that story, that's all on, on my YouTube channel, uh, which is which is fearless and far. So you can, you can check out all those adventures
0: there. Fearless and far. Thank you so much, Mike, and we'll talk to you soon, okay? Thanks, man. This episode may be over, but your journey to greatness continues by visiting our webpage and signing up for our newsletter. For convenient access to new episodes, show notes, and other crucial resources, visit expatmoneyshow.com. We look forward to you joining us on the next episode of the Expat Money Show. Safe travels.